Namaste. Welcome to Such Conversations Matter. Conversations which represent the future we should have. I'm your host, Saurabh Nanda. Today's guest is Mr. Jakob Williams Ober. He is the Innovation, Science and Higher Education Counselor for the Royal Danish Embassy in New Delhi. I know that's a very big title and it's a mouthful, <laughs> but it is uh, a title which is held by only seven people across the world. So there are these seven counselors or uh, catalysts or facilitators um, and technically diplomats who are working for uh, Denmark's embassies across the world. And uh, Jakob is the one who works in Delhi. Now, their job is to uh, facilitate collaboration between universities, organizations, companies, um, and uh, governments of states, etc., between Denmark and India, so that uh, that collaboration can lead to more innovation in science, in higher education, in exchange programs, in uh, sustainability-related uh, research, and better relationships overall. Jakob and I met in 2016 uh, when I was recommended by one of the professors that I was working in in Denmark uh, and she told me you know what you have to listen to Jakob's PhD defense which is happening next week <laughs> uh, because you're an Indian engineer you will you know really really appreciate that. Jakob was pursuing his PhD um, uh, his thesis was on Indian engineering, uh, the Indian engineering ecosystem, the shadow education ecosystem, the coaching industry behind it, and um, you know how it impacts this country, how it is managed at a policy level, and and how it impacts the students and so on and so forth. It was a fascinating conversation. We're going to discuss a little bit about that. But today, the conversation that I want to have with Jakob, uh, since he's been working in, in, in this collaboration for the uh, between India and Denmark for the last uh, three plus years now, is about the ecosystems which exist today for science, innovation, uh, especially relating uh, to sustainability and how we can uh, you know improve the planet, uh, create better innovations which work for everyone and not just uh, a few uh, people or a few organizations. How can we make sure that the nature is not exploited more uh, for our benefit as it is being done right now? It's going to be a fascinating conversation. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Indian engineering as well. So uh, let me not waste any more time and welcome Jakob over. Hi Jakob, how are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? It's very good to see you again. I'm, I'm very good. Thank you so much. And uh, let me just tell everyone else who's listening to this. Uh, your name is Jakob and not Jacob, but I just said that because you know it's easier to pronounce it <laughs> as as far as uh, the the phonetics is concerned, and that's how most Indians use English. <laughs> oh, I introduce myself as uh, Jacob here as well, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you must have gotten used to it now, since you have spent so many years in India working now. Yeah. Well, um, uh, my name is uh, is a beautiful name, so. I mean, it's it's in all the languages, and I don't I don't have to be pronounced Jacob. I'm fine with Jacob. My family-in-law says Jacob. Okay, so. then that's sorted. <laughs> well, uh, Jacob. So uh, before we begin the interview, I just want to know how your uh, last couple of years have been. Um, we tried having this conversation a year ago, just before the second wave hit India pretty badly. Um, but I'm I'm so glad that we are having it right now, uh, so that you know I can have a deeper perspective from you as to uh, since 2020 uh, lockdown, moving to India and between Denmark and so on, and for your family, how has it been? So uh, it's been hectic and uh, sometimes hard. But uh, we as a family, we've been uh, very lucky coming through the pandemic. So I feel uh, I feel very uh, blessed of uh, not having been. Uh, uh, sick myself and not having experienced uh, any deaths in my nearest family due to COVID. Um, but COVID, of course, have uh, colored and uh, and uh, defined my professional life uh, to a to a very high degree. And um, uh, a lot of what I've been uh, up to in the last couple of years have been. Uh, because of COVID, you could say. 
Um, we have also been traveling between Denmark and India quite a lot. We've been moved by uh, my work uh, out of India uh, during the, the second wave, a little bit into it. Um, and then we came back uh, in August again and uh, continued uh, the work over here. So it's, uh, it's been good. It's, I'm very happy that I have a chance to be in Delhi when Delhi is normal or when Delhi is uh, its true self, which I've, I find that it's really becoming again uh, since April. We have concerts and people are going out and meeting and uh, parks are full and so forth. It's very nice to, to see Delhi come back to life. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm so glad that, you know, we are inching towards normalcy, uh, whatever that looks like. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, Yagab, I mean, uh, one of the, you know, uh, beautiful developments that happened and I was so happy uh, that, you know, you actually moved uh, officially to the Danish embassy uh, working towards a very particularly unique job, which I believe you told me once was uh, that only seven other people across the world or six other people across the world have this kind of a position in, in the Danish uh, embassy and the Danish world. Um, please tell us a little bit about that. And also, uh, you know, can you just summarize your professional journey? Uh, because only you can do it best. Okay. So uh, I work out of the Danish embassy in New Delhi as what is called an innovation counselor. And uh, it's not unique to Denmark. Uh, lots of other countries have people working uh, work in that position, but uh, we only have seven of us uh, globally. And uh, we are seconded uh, to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, from the Ministry of Science in, in Denmark. And uh, our job is to be the uh, intermediate for researchers and for uh, knowledge intensive companies and for Danish authorities when it comes to working with uh, India or the other host countries uh, in the R&D area. Um, but we're a little bit different from, from many other uh, uh, colleagues in, uh, in uh, the other countries in that we have a, an organization that is, um, that is uh, uh, meant to do uh, science commercialization uh, in collaboration with our host countries or with India in this case. So I work with uh, another posted colleague uh, who's called an innovation uh, head. And, um, and uh, we have uh, in our organization uh, three uh, uh, commercial advisors that uh, have to make their own uh, salary uh, through consulting. So in that sense, we, uh, we, we work not only on science collaboration between Denmark and the world, but uh, we also work on uh, commercializing uh, that collaboration. And that is quite exciting because that means that we not only work on setting up the scientific uh, relationship, but we also work on figuring out what impact this uh, collaboration should have. And I, I came into this uh, job, which I started in 2019. Uh, so I had a, a good year before COVID hit. Um, I came into this job from a position in research at uh, Aarhus University in Denmark, where I was uh, co-leading something called CHEF, which was not about cooking, but uh, about higher education. So it was called Center for Higher Education Futures. Um, and that, uh, that was a center where we wanted to uh, create a research-based conversation with policymakers, with researchers, with universities and other decision makers on what higher education should be going forward, how the university should develop and so forth, uh, given the different pressures that we have uh, globally and also, of course, in, in the European context uh, nowadays. Um, that center is still ongoing and uh, uh, yeah, I think they're still doing very inspiring work, but I'm not uh, there to be part of it. Before that, I wrote a PhD, um, uh, and I wrote it about uh, an Indian topic. I Basically, I, I did anthropological fieldwork at IIT Delhi, 
uh, so one of the old IITs, uh, Indian Institutes of Technology. Um, and what I looked at was the role of the young engineer in, the, in India's uh, positioning in the world and how that was experienced from the inside, from the engineer uh, herself or himself, um, or from the budding engineer, him or herself. And um, I found it absolutely fascinating, the, the way that, uh, that uh, these young uh, folks uh, felt, um, they felt that they were uh, either, they felt that it was, uh, that they were seen as a, as a somewhat destiny makers for India, or they themselves even felt that they were destiny makers for India. But definitely they were destination makers for their families. And uh, they also, to a high degree, felt that they were being, had been given a, a great opportunity to shape their own life in a, in a very spectacular way. Um, so I call that work uh, Heroes of the Knowledge Economy. And, uh, and that, uh, that was kind of my, my first full entry into the research world. Before that, I was a policy uh, uh, maker or policy associate, I, I, uh, a bureaucrat, you could say, um, in the Ministry of Science in Denmark, participated in, in uh, lawmaking to do with uh, reforming Danish universities, but also in uh, lots of policy exchanges in the European space, um, looking at, again, uh, what should the universities be, what should higher education and research do in the, the current society. So, yeah, and before that, again, uh, I was in research uh, looking at, together with, uh, with uh, a, a very, uh, excellent and, and uh, consequential uh, professor, uh, Susan Wright, uh, was looking at Danish university reform uh, and how uh, that came about. I'm an anthropologist of training and um, we met uh, as I defended my, my uh, PhD and uh, you're the only one who, who was, um, uh, I think, brave enough to ask questions among uh, in, from the audience among all the, the professors uh, that were firing at me at my PhD Viva Viva, and uh, yeah, very happy uh, to see you again. I was very happy to to meet you at that time. Likewise, uh, the the pleasure was all mine. I mean, in fact, I was so surprised uh that something like this was happening and somebody was actually researching about iits the indian engineering ecosystem before engineering and after engineering and so on and uh i just had to be there i mean i i had to be there and i remember uh you know one of the professors who were there in and this is in 2016 i think november if i'm not mistaken um one of the professors actually flew in from Australia, a uh, professor of Indian origin, and uh, uh, he he was uh, one of the people who you had to defend uh, against. And he asked uh, some pretty interesting questions again. I mean, <laughs> being an Indian, and he, I remember he talking about that I am from Kanpur. Everyone was, you know, there was always this pressure that I have to join IIT Kanpur, but that never really happened. I, I moved to a different direction. It was a fascinating discussion. Uh, also, because I, I had never really attended anybody's PhD defense before that. And I was also fascinated by the fact that, okay, so uh, since a PhD is funded by public money, uh, the public is allowed to actually sit in the defense and see where their money is actually going uh, towards. Uh, that was a, a very interesting concept for me, to be honest. Um, talking about that, I mean, that is when I found that uh, there is, a, I used to assume that, you know, engineering everywhere will be similar, education uh, systems will be more or less the same. Um, but when I saw that, it was quite a spectacular uh, difference. Um, and that's when I, I, I really want to ask you as to um, how did you get interested uh, in, you know, stumble upon the entire concept and then you decided to actually make it part of your life by pursuing a PhD 
for it, no less. Well, I had already been working in um, in higher education and university uh, policy, either as a researcher or as, uh, from within the ministry. And um, then I, I took a, a one-year uh, break from my work. Uh, basically, I, I quit my job in the Ministry of Science to uh, come with my wife to India. As she was doing a research project over here in Delhi. And uh, so I was living in Delhi for uh, two semesters with her. Um, and I simply was taken aback by the interest that people have in higher education over here. Um, when we were getting uh, takeout uh, food, the plates that were, were given to us uh, with the food would have uh, coaching companies uh, 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 advertising uh, on the bottom of them. Um, all the major newspapers, they run uh, higher education or education uh, sections uh, at least once a week. And they publish uh, uh, in the season, they, they, they publish guides to the different universities. And uh, there's just this uh, very, very strong attention to uh, where uh, are our children going? Uh, what education will they get? Where can they get in? How do we prepare them the best? And also, I noticed a lot of money going that way, uh, privately in the families, at least at that time. Um, and I, I must say that uh, government is also spending more and more. But um, um, so that that's one thing that, that really led me into uh, trying to figure out what is this whole thing uh, about. So I had been uh, working uh, with universities in a whole different way, just uh, um, uh, you could say from within, like uh, not questioning what, uh, why we were there as, as, as universities and why, we, why universities were important. We've just been um, looking at how they were being reformed and so forth. But uh, uh, being in India, they, I had to kind of rethink uh, the role that uh, these institutions have in, in, in the lives of families and the lives of a nation. Um, so, yeah, I thought, why not try and return and become a researcher myself and uh, find out what this is uh, all about. And uh, there, uh, one person who's so central to how, at least at that time, but I think it is still true, even though it's diversified, uh, but one person who's so central to how higher education is uh, thought of in Indian family is the IIT student. So uh, my friends over here always mention how once one of their cousins have joined an IIT, then everyone else in the family uh, measure all the rest of the cousins uh, against that person. Right? So um, uh, most uh, most uh, youngish uh, uh, people that I talk to have at one point uh, either considered uh, uh, trying for IIT or they have tried and haven't gotten in. So there's a story of not making it to IIT uh, that is also very interesting, but that is so shared. Uh, and I think in a Danish, uh, from a Danish uh, background, seeing that from Danish background, um, we don't have a corresponding uh, defining degree that everyone is uh, kind of looking at. Uh, so, so that was very interesting to me, and uh, that's that's why I took it up. Then. It's always, on the other hand, from the policy angle, it's fascinated uh, me how India, given its size and given its federal structure, all the states and union territories, how can a small uh, ministry of education and a small ministry of science and technology sit in Delhi and still try, and sometimes successfully also, uh, uh, steer the development of higher education? and the development of science. Uh, when the country is so large, the number of universities is so high and so forth. 
in Denmark, we I would say that we almost know what color pen they choose at the department level in all the universities. We only have eight. We have full control. We don't have full control, but we, we know a lot, right? And we feel that we are very much uh, in touch. So it's always fascinated me how that union government uh, is trying to steer this system. So that was also part of my, my interest. How, how can a system this huge uh, exist and, and how can it, uh, how can you make policy for it? So those two things, and I'm still curious uh, uh, about both those things. And they are also very much in development, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, that I spent a good four years on, uh, uh, on exploring uh, the question of, of, uh, of these heroes of the knowledge economy, as I call them. Fascinating. And also funny because it just makes me relive some of the time that I spent, you know, preparing for engineering and actually so on. Um, and I think your cat is also very interested in the conversation that we're having. It's even outside <laughs> so the door now, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's trying to get in. I can't throw it I think, out I think, even further uh, now. <laughs> I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, till the time, it's all about the knowledge economy. Why can't we let the cat join in as well? <laughs> Great. Um, Jakob, uh, so uh, would you like to draw some comparisons between the Danish uh, way of uh, engineering and Indian way of engineering and uh, what have been, you know, some really uh, interesting insights, if, if you may, you know, uh, something that really surprised you, something that you found uh, probably doesn't exist anywhere else or any anything on those lines? So when you educate yourself as an engineer in, uh, in Denmark, the the career path is pretty much given. So you go into some of the, the more engineer-based uh, companies and, and, uh, and uh, start working within that field. You are, you are, you are very much within your... Uh, um, that there's a, a very large uh, correspondence between your education and where you end. And you know that when you join. Uh, so if, if for example, uh, you're, you're in the area of energy, then you might up, end up working in investors or in Ørsted, one of our, our companies, and uh, and you'll be hired by engineers that are also from one of the few places in, in, in Denmark and have gone through the same route. Um, I would say in the Indian context, engineering is much more of a, uh, of a first step uh, into adult life for people. Uh, that is um, uh, undefined. The, the destination is, is not defined. Um, the, the, the width of the, of the area of, of the potentials that people are looking into joining engineering is so much wider. Um, you have uh, lots of engineers in government, for example. That you have lots of engineers in business. Um, and you even have uh, engineers who are uh, in in the in what what would otherwise be considered uh, humanities uh, things uh, in art, in literature, filmmaking. Um, I think you also have a bachelor of uh, of engineering, and you're in education, and in in uh, I, I, I would maybe call it uh, um, uh, discourse creation, and, uh, some sort of public uh, debate. Um, so in that sense, uh, uh, engineering is, is much more uh, widespread, uh, much more of a basis for, for, for the discussion as, as an educational background that, that uh, lots of, lots of, of, of people had. Um, so that's a, a big difference to Denmark, where it seems much more focused on, on the career track uh, through the companies that uh, that, uh, that, that are very engineering based. And in that sense, uh, you could say that, um, that, uh, that Denmark is not as, as, as much of an engineering based uh, society, even though um, our engineers are the ones that are driving the, the, our export economy for sure. Um, one thing that, that is 
coming up in Denmark to a higher degree than before, but that has really, in the last 10 years, I think, defined Indian engineering is the startup culture and the entrepreneurship uh, focus uh, among uh, graduating uh, engineering students. And uh, I find that uh, really inspiring over here. Uh, the way that uh, that people are not uh, everyone, of course, but uh, that that there is a, at least a, a culture of of, uh, of speculating in in going your own way uh, in the last year of uh, of uh, college and in the early twenties of people's lives. That uh, that this whole uh, mentality of uh, creating a startup and and getting funding and and uh, promoting your solution to something uh, that that is, that is so prevalent over here. I think that I find that very inspiring. And if we go into discussing uh, sustainability a little bit later uh, today, then that's also one of the things where I think uh, one of the areas where I think that that India has such a an amazing potential that can be of consequence globally. Uh, in that uh, the youth are really. Uh, driving a lot of the ideation in the, in creating new ways of doing things uh, and also new technologies for uh, sustainability. Um, yeah, that that I think uh, so. The the, the 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 broad mindset in where can we go with an engineering degree, and then the role of entrepreneurship in the middle of that. I think is a is a strong point for India. And it's um, it's also very particular uh, to India. Uh, then your engineering degrees are also, at least from IITs, uh, very broad, in the sense that uh, you 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 connect with uh, a range of, uh, of of streams in engineering through the especially the first two years, um, and you also connect with uh, humanities. With economy, with social uh, science, um, and in the best colleges, uh, you also uh, are very active in uh, in doing social clubs, uh, social issue uh, movements, all these things. So in that sense, the Indian uh, engineer at uh, at its best uh, have uh, is also uh, a junior leader. Uh, leadership education, and then of course many people go on to take the MBA or to come into public leadership uh, roles uh, later on. Yeah. Again, it, it just felt like you know going back on the <laughs> nostalgic road for me. Uh, but yeah, it, these are some amazing insights. Um, yes, I did complete my uh, bachelor's in computer science engineering, not from an IIT but an NIT. Uh, because well, I had no idea, you know, what about uh, engine? What happens in engineering in India? And yeah, I after working for two and a half years, I realized that this is a problem that a lot of Indian engineers face, and that's why you know we have these uh, uh, funny cliches going around, uh, uh, stereotypes uh, that you know in India first you do engineering and then decide what to do with your life. <laughs> so, uh, absolutely, uh, you know, you're right about that. Uh, I, I think uh, overall, uh, I think that the uh, trend towards engineering has been consistent. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm really glad that you know a lot of Indian students and families today are thinking of other options as well. Uh, and you know uh, that's that's why uh, I do this. Uh, I, I talk about these things uh, with people like you so that they have greater clarity, which which I never really had. But yeah, uh, that's quite fascinating. Um, I, I do hope that you know these things uh, continue to do uh, change because uh, as far as sustainability is concerned, um, even there you will find a lot of engineers getting involved. I mean, uh, plastic pollution and uh, water conservation are two areas which I feel very deeply about. And uh, you know, uh, there are these couple of people. Uh, one is called uh, the uh, the Lake Man of India in Anand Maligwa from uh, Bangalore. 
again an IT guy, you know, completely de- dedicated and devoted to this. Then Ramveer Tarnwar from uh, a, a young, uh, you know, a fresh engineer passed out and he decided to just get into it and he's called the pawn man of India today and so on. So I, I am very proud of our engineering peer group in India that they're trying to solve problems of every kind, not only generating personal wealth for themselves or, you know, uh, getting to higher levels in whatever they're pursuing, but also trying to solve the society's problems. So uh, in in many ways, I think we can call India the, uh, uh, you know, land of engineers, uh, wherein they're not just working on engineering, but everything. <laughs> you can say that. But it also has a, has a flip side as well. So there's a, there's a great trust in, uh, in higher education and uh, engineering education being a pathway to success, uh, a good foundation for people's lives and so forth. So once the youth gets into these uh, educations and start studying there, then there's tremendous expectation that uh, lots of transformative things will come out of their studies. Uh, they will have a secured, solid life for themselves. They will change the fortune of their families and then to a certain extent also the fortune of uh, society. And uh, I think that can also be a very uh, heavy uh, burden to carry. And I like to to get, use the metaphor of uh, uh, you're at the entrance to, for example, IIT Delhi, you're given your future as a, as a, a handful of sand and then hold on to this. This is a, and then you have to uh, keep it. And as you know, sand always slips. And uh, um, a lot of, of, of people are uh, struggling with the, the expectations put on them uh, once they have successfully joined a reputed uh, school. The same thing can, can go for, for people who are joining in, in commerce or in, in, uh, in famous colleges or higher education. Uh, in general, if they, if they might, might be the first in their family joining higher education, then people will think that this will be transformative. And that all falls on that young person. And the uh, young person who have not even really uh, looked around and decided what to do with themselves and what values to hold high in their life. So I think that that flip side is also there that we put a lot of, of hope into these people and the uh, and uh, it's still up to them to figure out what to do with it. But uh, since the expectations are so high, they can almost not do anything than failing, at least uh, failing the expectations that that they feel that are put on them. So, so that that that, uh, and I think some of your work is uh, is also uh, helping uh, young people through uh, understanding. Uh, this this aspect of their life that they have to kind of find their own path, and which I think is very necessary. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I did engineering and then I pursued psychology because I was entering this uh, field of the education domain and so on. I can't even tell you how many engineering students freshly passed uh, out engineers. Um, they, they approach us and they are all wanting to learn about psychology because probably deep down inside they want to figure out who <laughs> they are supposed to be so <laughs> that happens quite a lot but uh you're absolutely right there is going to be a flip side i mean i i believe that you know whenever herd mentality and um blindly following uh somebody else's career path uh, uh starts happening and en mass, you know in in a huge way as it happens in india uh, then there are bound to be flip side as well which brings me to another uh, aspect of it um, you know uh, and this is again a, a sad side of indian engineering that a lot of uh, most of indian engineers uh, they're not working in engineering in fact uh, some studies show around almost 80% of indian engineering students who pass out from indian colleges are not working in engineering they go on to management or something else but not core engineering um what about uh, you know the part where innovation comes in what were your observations uh, about that uh, i'm and i'm talking about both you know 
technological and non-technological innovations mm-hmm. when you were uh, studying uh, about the entire Indian engineering ecosystem? So, um, I was uh, doing my fieldwork at IIT Delhi. So, IIT Delhi is a progressive institution uh, in the sense that uh, it has a lot of uh, talent studying there. That has uh, it, it has good conditions for its professors, and it's, the professors are also able to start up new programs and so forth. During the time I was there. Uh, the, the whole idea of uh, design in uh, in engineering uh, startup started uh, to grow in in uh, IIT Delhi, and the same thing uh, with uh, fi- finding ways to allow entrepreneurship to to be more uh, integrated into the whole structure. But and this was in 2013 to 15, so so it's still uh, as a as an official uh, goal of the institutions. Entrepreneurship is still young. Um, so how can uh, can we allow the students to to work on on uh, on entrepreneurship uh, during their education? Um, that I think is still being figured out. But at least now, uh, more and more, we see uh, that that uh, that people are allowed within the degree structure to do things. That have to do with solving problems, uh, and that have to do with, uh, with trying to create uh, viable uh, uh, company ideas and so forth. Um, but uh, before that, I would say that the way that we have done our, our education structures, both in Denmark and India, have. Uh, have, have not supported uh, entrepreneurship uh, during the studies, but people have been doing it anyways. It has been pushed until the, after their studies, in a sense. Um, but uh, we are seeing that that uh, that, with, that changes in the in the degree structure and in what is offered to the students now uh, that that really uh, supports uh, a change to that. Um, one of the things that we've been doing from the Danish Embassy side that I've found was very exciting is that we have uh, created some innovation challenges together with the Indian government uh, in water, for example, where we are asking uh, students to work on specific pro- problems together with their professors and come up with uh, solutions and company plans uh, for those problems. And simply uh, using the the physical infrastructure, the lab infrastructure of the universities to support uh, the, the students to develop uh, new technologies, new products. And I think that is very important in, in two ways. It's important because you get talent into uh, technology uh, development and into uh, entrepreneurship, but it also gives the students uh, an insight into the application of the knowledge that they are uh, mocking up uh, at the at the, the, the school, at the college, and so you were mentioning that a lot of people they go out of their stream once they, they finish engineering, they they do not uh, become either they don't become engineers or they work in some other stream, um, and start from a much more basic level there. Uh, I think what entrepreneurship and, and innovation can do. Uh, in the student phase and in the for the young engineer is that it can show a direct link between uh, learning and application and that is also where you can uh, see a direct link between what you're trying to uh, achieve at the university and then uh, uh, how you can influence the society that you you become a part of right so I think the the problems of uh, of uh, India and the problem, the global problems, the problems that we that we have uh, in Denmark, and when it comes to pollution, when it comes to climate change, uh, enough water, too much water, um, uh, these issues, uh, they are very much on everybody's minds, but especially the people who uh, are coming out and and are, are to choose their their paths in life. I think. Uh, these problems are very meaningful to them, and 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 uh, for that reason, 
to be able to connect to these problems and propose solutions for them as you're studying, I think gives uh, uh, makes studying much more meaningful and, and also direct people into staying within uh, uh, engineering and staying within the degrees that they that they have uh, studied so that the knowledge that they have uh, acquired can really come to fruition. So, and and how uh, how it is successfully done? Well, in uh, in IT Daily, for example, you can stay on and develop your idea for another year. Then you can sit for the placement the the, the following year. So that they're, they're doing uh, uh, things to make uh, make it more flexible. Uh, what I have been involved in is trying to create opportunities for people to come forward with their ideas and then uh, meet uh, experts and uh, if successful meet uh, funders later on that can take their idea forward. Um, that is also I think a very important thing that you have to show that there's a realistic opportunity uh, for, for bringing uh, your own ideas to fruition then people will follow it. If, if it's just um, uh, uh, if, it, if it looks like a, a very uh, a narrow and uh, and uh, troublesome road to go down, then people will not go down it. But if it looks like it's a it's a mentored and uh, uh, and not easy, but uh, at least um, uh, uh, existing path, uh, then then uh, then the young people will, will go down it instead of searching for. A regular job, or or shifting out of uh, out of their stream, uh, out of the engineering stream, for example. So yeah, um, uh, absolutely. We I do think it perfectly in Denmark. We don't do it perfectly in India, but there's a vast system nowadays trying to invest in in that uh, that spirit in the in the engineering student and in the students in general uh, that. Uh, that maybe their ideas can be what they actually follow for the rest of their lives, not uh, uh, some. No, so true, so true. Jakob, in fact, I mean, um, not only in India and Denmark, um, I've been a big uh, promoter of tech for good, using technology for creating impact. And uh, since 2019, I've been able to uh, mentor uh, university uh, students, engineering students out of Japan. Um, just a few days ago, I, I finished a cohort of uh, mentoring some engineering students uh, and young professionals from Colombia. Uh, the country uh, under under this uh, you know very beautiful program created by purpose in motion which is funded uh, primarily by uh, huawei's uh, csr initiative um, then you know you and i both know uh, how much the government of india uh, under uh, Atal innovation mission is trying to encourage uh, you know startups and the the under the banner of startup india or uh, individual states having their own uh, startup up startup punjab and so on um so there is, I think, a general understanding across the world, whether it is governments or uh, uh, institutions, uh, universities, uh, companies, that uh, entrepreneurship and innovation is the way to go ahead. The only challenge over here is the ecosystem doesn't exist. And I would like to quote a few people uh, who have been on the show before as well. Priyank, in season one, he's an education researcher from <laughs> my college, NIT Jalandhar. Uh, he also found uh, that this is something which is not happening. So he said that mostly people see uh, education uh, as an economic outcome, that the purpose of education is to get you, uh, you know, economic, uh, you know, wealth or monetary factors and so on and so forth. Um, that is why uh, even if, uh, you know, you're an engineering student, but there is a job which is giving you more money and you can do that job. Whether it is related to engineering or not, you will probably go there because, you know, your purpose of getting into an IIT was to get that economic uh, result. Um, then, uh, you know, recently uh, a professor uh, in, in Harvard uh, of Indian origin, he wrote a book about entrepreneurship. And uh, when he talks about uh, the developing world, including India, Nigeria, etc., uh, that uh, entrepreneurship in these countries is not only about uh, solving a particular problem with the help of your idea or your startup, 
but at the same time entrepreneurs in a country like india have to create the ecosystem where their company can survive because the ecosystem generally doesn't exist as it might exist in the us or uh, you know western europe uh, in denmark germany etc so there are these gaps which are there but uh, you know uh, the world is kind of recognizing that and that is where people like you also step in um, so would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, current job and uh, how you facilitate creating such ecosystem such programs uh, for innovation yeah so we we work with the uh, indian partners to do exactly that you could say um not only for uh, entrepreneurs but also for researchers because i think that uh, connect uh, to impact which uh, connect between knowledge and idea uh, technology development and then the impact on the ground uh, i think that is a, that is a connect that is hard to make in, in both a, uh, for an entrepreneur but also for a researcher the, as your your former interviewee said the the ecosystem does not exist it has to be created uh, as as we as we develop the technology you could say um so we have worked with atal innovation mission to uh, to set up uh, what we call water challenge uh, icdk atal innovation mission uh, uh, water challenge and uh, the the purpose of that one is to take the the public uh, Uh, infrastructure investments that are coming out of the union government such as Jalgeevan mission uh, that's a mission called Amrut number no. 2 which is the first is uh, uh, water security in the countryside the second is water security in the city uh, and other uh, uh, missions within the, the indian government to take the, the problems addressed there and make them into innovation challenges that we then post to the young Uh, engineers and scientists and say okay so what are the solutions that you want to bring forward here then we have people who are knowledgeable about the missions mentor these students and the wider the long term purposes of course then that we can see some of the technologies that are developed uh, be brought into uh, action within those investments from the public side so uh, that is an example of how to Uh, to take momentum from uh, some people's lives so the students lives and put it into uh, an interest that some other stakeholders have um of course it's not easy but the indian uh, government i think is very good at always or maybe it's something that has come over the last uh, few years but they're integrating in their uh, larger investments so in the program programs such as Jalgeevan mission they're integrating R&D spending and an attention to new technology it's part of of what the mission has to achieve so in that sense the context is there we just need to create the link and 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 make the two things work together and i think uh, sometimes you need uh, someone uh, from the outside to 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 uh, to be, be there in order to create the meeting uh, ground uh, you know so um uh, the the Jaljeevan, uh, mission people they think so what are we going to do with the danes and the the Atal innovation mission uh, people think uh, so what can we do with the danes and then uh, with danes are very few so it's the same dane uh, that that sits and talk to both of them so in that sense uh, they they both start talking together uh, in our project it's not that they don't talk together otherwise but it, it, it is an example where uh, by being uh, uh, a foreigner who would like to uh, collaborate uh, with india um, uh, we actually uh, managed to to uh, to make uh, two ends of uh, the indian system uh, meet in, in in our collaboration so in this case young water entrepreneurs and and the public sector uh, uh, planners uh, in the water area another uh, place where I, uh, we partner with someone who is trying to create a, a new ecosystem that can take the new technology and bring it to impact is a project that is called eco network and uh, eco network is a 
is a very large network of uh, uh, NGO or independent sector people, um, researchers, companies, and um, uh, government policymakers in the area of sustainability with, with a focus on three topics. One is regenerative agriculture, second is One Health, and the last one is called ecosystem evaluation, which is basically about what are the consequences of human activity for, the, uh, for nature and how can we incorporate that when we kind of make our, our plans and our assessments, our assessments of things. So with them, we are trying to uh, 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 develop uh, a, a, a network of interested uh, stakeholders uh, that are interested in specific uh, sustainability problems. So that if you come as a researcher and you do research on those problems, that could be on, on, uh, on for example, how, uh, how we can grow crops uh, that, uh, that when we grow them, uh, we bring uh, things back to nature. We don't have to destroy nature to, to get anything out of the field. Um, so if people want to do research in that area, then this network is supposed to then be able to uh, help them do the research, but also help them uh, take that research to impact uh, in companies or, or in communities that the, that the researchers can work in. So we, uh, we, have, we are from the embassy side we are, uh, supporting that uh, Danish actors take part in this network and that we bring this network uh, forward. Because um, it's very true, uh, isolated technology development, whether it's by entrepreneurs or, or researchers, uh, that's not what we need right now. What we need is to connect the technology development directly into uh, impact and to develop the technology uh, through bringing it to impact. So we need uh, people to work on real problems on the ground and develop that technology because we have to speed up uh, if we don't want to live through uh, the consequences of uh, the human uh, development over the last uh, 50 to 100 years. Uh, um, yeah. That, that is true. That is so true. Um, and I think I personally believe, uh, uh, you know, and Denmark is such a big supporter of uh, the SDGs as well. I personally believe the SDG framework has, you know, really helped people come together to have a conversation around these topics. Um, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, there is a context which is needed. Uh, I think the SDGs and mutual uh, uh, you know, collaboration between uh, countries uh, to uh, be more sustainable as a planet is definitely providing the context. But then there are people like you who actually make those conversations happen on the ground, uh, which is equally important. So there's a there's a large uh, event that is going to take place later this year, in uh, probably December 2022 in Mysore in uh, Karnataka, and that's um, that is what is called uh, Unleash. And Unleash is a, is a congregation of uh, youth that want to work on the SDGs. And it's exactly one of those uh, examples of context that are being created to take up uh, ideas and technologies uh, developed uh, among uh, young people. It will bring together 1,000 young talents from uh, around the world who have been selected uh, not by... Uh, not because of the nature of the institutes that they studied at or because they know someone, but in an open uh, competition, uh, they don't have to pay. Uh, the, the Unleash uh, organization, which was founded in Denmark, but now is a global organization, is bringing them uh, to Mysore. And uh, then they will, for one week, they will define projects that work on specific uh, uh, SDG uh, specific sustainability problems and then the Unleash team and all the mentors and organizations that are supporting them, including uh, for example uh, uh, Infosys, uh, for example uh, No Nordisk Foundation uh, there are a number of Danish, uh, other Danish foundations and other global foundations uh, they will take those ideas and mentor them further beyond the, the meet 
and then uh, help uh, these young entrepreneurs create viable companies out of their uh, out of their technology ideas. Uh, companies for impact, not just companies that are measured on their profit, but it's companies that are measured on their impact on the SDGs. And the idea is that we need, uh, from all over the world, we need uh, thousands of uh, new initiatives that can combat the, the, the sustainable, uh, sustainability uh, crisis uh, in order to overcome. So unleashes collecting, uh, creating a cohort uh, of, of these uh, uh, new technologies, new companies that can then all get together in 2030 when uh, we are evaluating the SDGs and say, yeah, here we are, we are from the youth side, we have brought all these solutions to the table. But yeah, I'm looking very much forward to that. It's, uh, it's uh, fantastic that it will be in India this time. It's been in in Singapore, in Denmark, it's been in China, and now it, it has come to India uh, in its fourth uh, iteration. And uh, it's the right place, it's, in a sense, it's come home because India has been probably the largest contributor to the other uh, unleash uh, uh, congregations uh, the other years because there's so, oh, wow. uh, an interest from the Indian side in, in going out and solving uh, problems like that. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I didn't know about that part. Uh, but yes, uh, and uh, the Unleash program is amazing. Uh, I've recommended a few of my mentees to actually go ahead and apply. I think the uh, deadline was June 19th um, uh, to apply. But yeah, a few of uh, the people that I had uh, mentored and uh, they have definitely applied. I hope uh, they, you know, they get through and uh, they experience that. Um, but that's that's exactly what I was trying to actually uh, tell. Uh, and you just, you know, helped us flow into that. Uh, the ecosystems, they exist at so many levels and so many, you know, they have so many layers. Um, there are uh, ecosystems which are needed for university students or young, uh, you know, people who want to solve the problems, don't really understand how exactly but they are willing to do so, which is, you know, the most important ingredient. So then we have programs like Unleash and you're so closely involved with them. Um, then uh, similar programs uh, like the one that I attended in 2019 in Japan, Awaji Youth Federation uh, is trying to do similar things in Japan and, you know, Asia in general. Um, and, and we have other programs as well. Then, you know, I was talking to Pranav Chaturvedi uh, in, in one of the previous episodes, episode uh, 15 of season two. And uh, he is a venture builder. It's a very unique concept wherein they uh, engage directly with uh, early stage startups only, uh, and they help them navigate the view, uh, you know, the entire way of entrepreneurship. It might be an impact startup or not, but that guidance itself doesn't really exist in any other format. My question to you, Jakob, is, uh, and I know we're running out of time, but yeah, just last few questions uh, is. What else can we do to improve this ecosystem? I mean, I know I am doing my bit as a career consultant, telling people that this is probably something you should do. But what else can we do to improve this ecosystem and make it more impactful? Yeah, so I think that we have to um, we have to also think of uh, of uh, transformation technique. If it's technology-based transformation, it's one type of transformation. It's uh, not only coming from outside the systems in which uh, the impact is sought. So, for example, if we want to transform how uh, education is done, or how health services deliver, um, or how uh, you could say, for example, pollution from different industries, uh, we have to try and control that. Uh, the activists that are supposed to do that can not only be the young uh, technologists standing outside with a good idea, trying to uh, promote that, or the researcher uh, doing a critical piece of research and then suggesting the changes that are needed, or even the, the politician or the bureaucrat uh, saying, how can I improve regulation or how can we invest differently in order to change that? that? All those things are very needed. But what I think is really important is that uh, 
that people who are working within these systems, they have to become uh, transformers uh, themselves. They have to be people. They have to become people who study their own context and suggest changes to it. So think about uh, a community health center. You want to right now expand the number of community health centers across India uh, to a very high degree. But how can that be done in a way so that it is also transforming the way that we deliver healthcare? Well, of course, we can make an innovation challenge like we have done in water and try to promote ideas uh, that way. But I think that really the nurses and the doctors and, and the other staff members that, that work in such centers, they have to become entrepreneurs themselves and they have to become uh, change makers themselves. So what I really would like to see, uh, what I would, one of the things that I will try to work on uh, uh, going forward myself, um, is how can we empower uh, practitioners to become reflexive about their practice, reflexive about the, their organizations and the context that they are part in, and and uh, and and then how can we empower them to become partners in technology development and partners in research that are trying to work on or change the context that they that they work in. So that, for example, the nurse in the community health center becomes uh, the, the front runner in implementing uh, new technologies for uh, diagnostics or the front runner in securing that, that the, the health center doesn't uh, pollute uh, through, for example, uh, waste, wasted medicines of, or so forth, the, the local environment, or front runner in changing uh, uh, treatment uh, uh, protocols uh, uh, um, to make more sense both with with uh, with uh, with the local population, but also in in relations to new scientific discoveries. I really think that we should put innovation uh, in the front line and with the, the practitioners uh, the, themselves. And that when we do uh, uh, research-based innovation programs where we empower researchers or student-based uh, innovation programs where we empower the, the young uh, students um, uh, to develop uh, solutions for the SDGs, they have to partner with the practitioner. We need to kind of bridge that gap uh, to impact, and we have to uh, uh, make use of the knowledge that are that is on the ground in the places where we expect technology to to be implemented. I think that's that's uh, probably uh, one of the key focuses for for my work, and one of the things that I think that we have not uh, achieved so far is uh, how how we can uh, empower the practitioner to to change the the context. Of so insightful. That is amazing. Um, Yagab, uh, just last two questions. Um, any, uh, like, if you were to give career advice to any young person listening to this and who wants to follow in, in the footsteps that you have and probably have this very unique job <laughs> or similar, uh, what would your advice be? Okay, that is a very hard question, but, um, but I think that to to both be happy and employed uh, in uh, in the long term, uh, I think it's very important to attach oneself to uh, processes of transformation in society. So processes that are uh, larger than just uh, being successful yourself. You have to attach yourself to to uh, a change in society that you want to help bring in. Then you have a community to work within. You will have colleagues and friends who will share uh, your values and you will have, uh, you will have uh, lots to do because the chains keep on happening. Uh, when you're not only uh, looking at uh, your own achievements or your own uh, performance as the criteria for success for your work, but instead look at the wider outcome. I think that's, that's where uh, a happy career uh, is, uh, is created. And, and uh, then it would be beautiful if, 
if those uh, transformations that you are looking at are not only market transformations that that uh, that uh, show where more more money can be created, but also transformations that are better for uh, society, are better for people, or better for uh, the environment. Um, so that is the advice that I that I would give. What is the development in the society that you find exciting and where you would like to contribute and try to go in that direction. And that can be explored from all the different angles of education. Uh, if, whether you come in education, if your background is in language, in, uh, in uh, law, engineering, commerce, they all relate uh, all these uh, things. We studied them at universities because Society is continuously developing, and we need the knowledge and the knowledgeable uh, people to uh, to participate in that development and to steer that development. So find out the transformation that you are interested in, and then find out how you can contribute to make it a, a transformation positive. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, last question, Jakob. Any one sentence, uh, one line which you believe the, can make the world a better place? <laughs> well, you have to become an activist in your own life. Perfect. I think <laughs> I, I actually agree with that line so much, I can't even tell you. I've done a few episodes on activism as well. So... Uh, Amazing having you over here, Jakob, and so good to catch up with you. I wish you all the best uh, for all your future endeavors, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, and uh, I hope that we see each other in real life very soon. Absolutely. I think we have our beer pendants. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Such Conversations Matter. Please share this episode with your friends who you think will benefit from this conversation too. Please like this episode, subscribe to and follow our channel on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram and all major podcast platforms. We would love to hear your comments and feedback. If you think such conversations are important and should continue, then please consider donating. You could treat me to a coffee or an expensive dessert. Take care and keep thinking of the future we should have.